We had a jam-packed day yesterday as a family, and one of our stops was a graduation party. And at the graduation party, uh, I just watched as, as the family was, it was beaming with pride, as they normally are at graduation parties. That's, that's a good thing. And there was an air of sadness in her, in her parents' voice as they talked about their baby going off to college in, in the fall. And they said, it goes by so quick. And and my wife, Brooklyn, was, was with, with us, and, and she said, I, I know I'm already starting to fret what that's going to be like when I send the, the little two off. And, uh, and they're just having that conversation, and, and I'm there just kind of nodding. Because on one hand, I'm sure, you know, it, it does. It, it goes by so fast. But then on the other hand, there are some moments uh, with my children that feel like an eternity, and that's the other side of the parenting coin. You know, everybody wants to talk about, oh, it goes by so fast. And it does. But there are moments that go by so slow. And you are like, this moment could not end fast enough. And some of those are etched in my mind. Like last year. We decided last year we would do this thing called Friday, where every Friday we would take the boys out. I take Fridays off. So we would take the boys out on a Friday and we would go do something fun. And there was one Friday where we were out doing something fun, and we, we asked the boys, I, I have two boys, they're, they're now 10 and 8 at the time, they were 9 and 7, and I asked them, where do you want to eat? Which is a really stupid question, because not only do I not want to probably be beholden to eat where they answer the question, but also the probability of them actually agreeing on a place is next to zero. And wouldn't you know it, lo and behold, they actually both at the same time said the same restaurant. They both said Culver's. And I'm like, all right, we can do it. Let's do it. Let's go to Culver's. They're like, yeah. So we get to Culver's and they we're, we're in line and they say, dad, can we have cheese curds too? And I'm like, it's Friday. Let's have cheese curds. Throw an order of cheese. That was the dumbest decision I've ever made in my life. Threw some cheese curds in the order. We go, we sit down at the booth. Everybody's having fun. They deliver the food. We say a prayer. We're ready to dive in. And then the drama starts because my youngest thinks my oldest took more cheese curds than my youngest had. And there is just this massive fight that is starting. Mind you, there are more cheese curds in the shared package in the middle of the tray, but that is neither here nor there. It is World War III with the Pursley boys because one of them feels they got shorted a curd from the other one, and they just start losing their minds, and I just look at them like in disbelief, and my wife is a very gentle soul, and she's like, guys, it's okay. Guys, calm down, calm down. Not so much. I believe in the dad voice. And I'm like, knock it off. And like, loud, like the whole restaurant stops. Whole restaurant knocked it off. I'm like, yes, yes, that's right. And they're just all looking. I'm like, if I hear one more word about the stupid cheese curds, I will take them off your tray and I will throw them away. I'm like, why well, I got to be so mad, Dad? And I'm like, what do you mean, why do I have to be so mad? What do you mean, why do I have to be so mad? And that's where it just dawned on me. You know, there's trouble sometimes, even when good things are happening. Even when good things are happening, trouble can come into the equation. Maybe it's because you feel you were short at a cheese curd. Maybe it's because sometimes when good things are happening, maybe you've, maybe you've enhanced your portfolio. Maybe, maybe you've got a promotion at work. Maybe you're in a great season of life in your marriage. Maybe you, you've just welcomed a new child into the equation. 
Those are all great things. But with them all bring challenges. There's challenges. And sometimes when really good things happen, new challenges come about. And the church is not immune to that. I wish it were, but it's not. And that's what we're going to look at today. As a drama was started in the early church, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 6 this morning. If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download in whatever app store you utilize. And once it's installed on your device, there are a number of great features within the Bible app, but one of them is called events. And there you can either enable your locations or, or just right in Lakeside Community Church, Algoma, and, and we'll pop right up. You can follow along with us that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be, again, starting in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 in just a moment. And if you're joining us via the stream, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here at Lakeside, and the verses will be available on the screen below on the stream as we continue our look at the early church and what God established. And we've already seen through the first five chapters of the book of Acts some incredible things. Jesus has risen from the dead and he's given his followers the great commission to go and make disciples in your city, in your region, and across the world. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit comes and the church is established in Acts chapter 2. God does supernatural, miraculous things through, through His Spirit, through the apostles. People are converted. They give their lives over to Jesus. We continue to see the Word of God spread. We continue to see people make the decision to follow Jesus. We see the miraculous happen. People are healed. People aren't a fan of that because of the implications it has for them personally and what it means for their power and what they would want to do. And so there's now persecution that we've seen introduced to the equation. All this through the first five chapters of Acts. And yet what we see continually is that the work of God is not stopped. The work of God continues. Through blessings, through challenges, God's work is furthered. And with that, we now see some challenges that creep up. And that's what we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 6, starting verse 1. Or we read these words. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So now we have drama in the church. Drama now shows up, Acts chapter 6. It doesn't take long, but there we are. Acts chapter 6, now we have drama. And what we see is that growth brings challenges. Growth brings challenges. It's, it's a good thing. It is a great thing that the number of disciples is increasing. That means the message of Jesus is going forth and people's lives are being radically transformed as they place their hope and, and they put their faith in what Jesus has done for them. That he died on the cross for him, he rose again three days later, and now they are part of this church. This is a fantastic thing. And yet, even the church which God has established and God has designed, is not immune from challenges that growth brings. And we see it right here, that all of a sudden, the, the church is growing and it's getting bigger. And with that come challenges. And we aren't immune to that here at Lakeside. Just, just last week, we were excited to be able to announce to you, hopefully you saw it on social media. If you don't follow us on social media, now would be a great time to do that. You can follow us on Facebook at Lakeside Community Church. You can follow us on Instagram at Lakeside Algoma. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we 
put all of our services, all of the archive message series, they're available on our website as well as our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakeside Algoma. And if you subscribe to that, you'll just you'll get a reminder when a new video is available. If you ever miss something, want to check it out, if you're ever like, did he really say that? You can go back there and, and check it out there. We don't edit it out. Uh, it, it's all there and all it's yeah, maybe we should edit some things out. Uh, but that's all available on our, our YouTube channel that, that you can subscribe to as well. But, but we announced on social media last week that, that we have, we've hired a, a next-gen pastor. Uh, Jacob and his wife, Janessa, are going to be joining us here in just a few weeks. We're super excited about that. We've been having some ongoing conversations with worship arts pastors. Um, and so we are working really hard at, at that level of this. Just a few months ago, we introduced Kira Kershaw. Shane to the team, and she's just done an incredible job of helping us in the day in and day out operations of the church. Why? Because as Lakeside continues to grow, as God continues to bring more and more people here, we have a passion, we have a desire to serve everyone we possibly can, and to take the message and the hope of Jesus, not just to us, the city here in Algoma, but across the region. And once we, once we saturate the region, then our efforts are going to be expanded to the world. That's what we're going to try to to do. We are going to try to have an impact that is just that is here, local, that is regional, and that is, is universal because the message of Jesus is imperative that people hear. But with this, we just understand that there are challenges, and new challenges are going to creep up. And so if you're, if you're here, and if you're looking for a church and, and you're at Lakeside, we are so glad you're here. But spoiler alert, if you are looking for the perfect church, we're not it. We're just not. We love that you, you're here. But, but there, we have flaws. And we have systems that we're working on. And we're trying to improve things. And we're trying to get better. And we're trying to advance things. But if you're walking into the looking for the perfect church, well, this isn't it. We're really glad you're here, and we really hope that we can serve you. But you're going to notice a thing or two that you don't like about Lakeside. And I just say welcome, because there's a thing or two I don't like about Lakeside. And that's just it. And, and we're working on some of them, and some of them we're not working on, because I just recognize it's not about what I like. That, like it's, it's not about me. It, it's, it's bigger than that. And, and we are never going to be a perfect church. There's always going to be challenges and there's always going to be problems. And so we welcome that. And, and we, we can take one of two sides. We could either say, hey, we don't want to we don't want to do anything that's going to increase, uh, increase the challenge or increase the workload. That's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. So let's just stay here. Let's just stay here and let's instead play it safe. But that's not what we see here. How does Acts 6 start? It starts with the victory. It starts with this encouraging thing that now in these days, and I just sounded like I was back in seventh grade there. I'm so, I'm like, I'm, I'm fired up. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, when people find Jesus, there are going to be new challenges. And I just need you to know at Lakeside, we welcome that challenge. And as God continues to entrust people to Lakeside and we get to serve you, we welcome that challenge. And we're excited by that challenge. And we're going to do everything we can to meet those challenges. Some of it's going to be staffing. Some of it's going to be through volunteers. Some of it's going to be new initiatives and new endeavors. We're going to try some stuff. It's going to work. We're going to try some stuff and be like, never again. That was a colossal disaster. Nope, we're not going to do that. But we're going to learn from it. But we're never gonna we're never gonna be naive to think, 
oh, it's just all going to be perfect, and it's all going to be easy. I wish it was. But for whatever reason, that's not the way that God designed it. And we can sit and we can scratch our heads and we can say, well, God, it's your church, so maybe you should have designed it that way. But that's not what he's chosen to do. And even here, we see that growth brings challenges and there's problems. So what is the challenge that we see here in Acts chapter 6? Well, the Hellenists, and the Hellenists were, were Christian converts among the Jews. They, they were Jewish and, and they'd left. They'd left Jerusalem. They'd gone into Greek territories. They'd assimilated in, into, into Greek regions. And, and, and now they're back. But there's tension. There's tension between the Hellenists and there's tension between the Jews, the Hebrews here. That, that's what's going on here. The Hellenists, they, they were converts among the Jews. They'd returned to Judea after having, living in, after having living, lived abroad in, in Greek territories. And now there's tensions. And the tensions are this. The Hellenists are saying, hey, the Jews are overlooking us. They're overlooking our widows. We've already seen the incredible generosity that's come about earlier in the book of Acts that's going on in the early church where people are pulling their resources together and, and they're providing for everybody that has need. And they're making sure that everybody has a need is taken care of and is provided for. And now all of a sudden, here we are. And the Hellenists are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Our widows, they're being neglected. The Jews, are, they're favoring their widows. See, there's tension here. There's tension. And there's an issue. As, as the church has grown, it's gotten more complicated. It's, it's not as easy as it once was. Now, all of a sudden, there's more need. And they're saying, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And now there's tension. And verse 2 says this, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. The apostles say, hey, we've got something else to do. We've got something. God has called us to a different work than to worry about being a waiter. That's what they say. Now, does that mean that they don't care about what's going on? Does that mean that they think they're too good to help? What, what does this mean, this response? It's, it can seem callous. It can seem uncaring. It can seem almost cold. But it's actually none of those things. What it is is an understanding of the apostles that we are uniquely gifted, we're uniquely positioned by God to do something. And we can't do everything. So do they just drop it? Do they just tell some widows, well, you're out of luck. Good luck to you. No. We go on to verses 3 and 4. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, even though the apostles didn't personally handle this, their hearts are still stirred by what they hear. Their hearts are still stirred by the reports that they hear. And they hear what's going on. And they recognize we can't solve this problem in and of ourselves. We can't be everywhere at once. We can't do everything. 
But just because we can't personally solve this problem doesn't mean that our hearts aren't stirred by it. It doesn't mean that we aren't going to leverage our position to make sure that something is done about this. And I just want to encourage you. You're going to find needs in your life. You're going to hear stories that, that could stir your heart that you may be in no position. You may be in no position to personally handle. The apostles weren't in position here to personally handle this. But just because you can't personally handle it doesn't mean that you can't still care. And what the apostles recognize is we are not the answer. We are not the solution in this situation. But what we need to do is we need to demonstrate that every widow in that line has value and worth. Because every widow in that line is created and loved by God. And while we cannot personally go to that line and hand out the food, we can make sure that we get the, the line operating so that every person who is hungry is fed. We can make sure that that happens. They say, we need quality people. We need quality people that love and, that, that love and follow after God, that we see the Spirit of God working within their life, that are wise, and have a good reputation. Those are the people we're looking for. And we need to put those people in a position where they can fill this need. Our focus, it has to be somewhere else. Our focus has to be somewhere else. But it doesn't mean that this isn't still important. It doesn't mean that this doesn't still need to be handled. It does. And what they said, verse 5 says, pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. It pleased, it pleased the whole gathering because the early church recognized that the different people have different gifts and different positions. And it's not that one is more important than another. It's just that different people have different gifts and serve in different positions. And the church needs all of it. The church needs the apostles to go out and proclaim the message. The church needs the servants to be in the line to make sure that every widow that is hungry is fed. It's not that one is more important than the other. And what happens in our context, we can, we can kind of have a corporate idea in our minds. And we start to think, oh, well, this position in the church is more important than this position. But that's not true. That's not true. When the apostles say, hey, we're going to devote ourselves to teaching and to prayer, it's not that they're saying serving people doesn't matter. What they're saying is this is, this is vitally important. So much so that we're going to recruit people who oversee just this because it matters so much. We're going to continue to do the work that God has called us to do, but we're going to find people who devote themselves to making sure that this operates as it should because it is so vitally important. 
sometimes we can kind of think, oh, well, these are the important parts of the church and these are the unimportant parts of the church. And what we see here is, no, 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 no. It's all important. And it all matters. It all matters. That all work, all work in the kingdom of God is important. All work is important. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Do you see what happens? The word of God, what? It continues to increase. It continues to increase. Why? Because ministry is aided by a machine. Ministry is aided by a machine. They aren't just showing up and, and having a few services. No, what we see here is there's an entire machine that is taking place here. That a lot of it's done behind the scenes. And a lot of it you never see. But there are people who are working tirelessly behind the scenes to make sure that this can continue. To make sure that the hope of Jesus is continued to be, to be proclaimed. To make sure that people are continually put in a position to give their lives to God. To continue to hear the gospel message and respond to the gospel. And sometimes we can think, oh, it just, it just all happens supernaturally. And make no mistake about it, God is a supernatural God. And there's a supernatural component to it. But what we see here is that God chooses to utilize us. And it doesn't matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter what your ability is. Is communicating the gospel vital to the church? Absolutely. Is prayer vital to the church? Absolutely. Is serving somebody food vital to the church? Absolutely. And the reason this matters so much is because some people might think, well, what I can do isn't really that important. And what we see here is nothing could be further from the truth. Irregardless of what you can do, there is room for it in the church. And that it is vitally important. Why? Because what we're told here is through this ministry, which started as a, as a solution to a fight between the Hellenists and the Jews, over the, the widows not getting their food, what we see is the ministry that has now come about as a result of the solution to this fight, it is now reaching even more people with the hope of Jesus. Serving food. Everything matters. And we go on. And Stephen, verse 8 says, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So Stephen, he's working powerfully. He's working powerfully. God puts different people in different positions with different abilities. But if, if your gift is serving food, then you serve. And you feel the joy of, of serving that food. And you let God use you. And you never will know. You never will know all the ways that God will use that gift and that ability that he's given you. And here we're told that Stephen, 
He's full of grace and power and is doing great wonders among the people. That God is just shining through him and he's using him in a very powerful way. And then what happens? Everything's great, right? The church is expanding. The gospel's blowing up. Our God is able to put a hedge of protection around Stephen to make sure that nothing gets in his way, that everything operates perfectly, that the church just experiences ease and there, aren't any, there isn't any drama, there aren't any hard times. Praise God, that's awesome. But that's what he's going to do, right? No. Just the opposite, actually. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. So the church... Was firing on all cylinders. God is working in powerful ways. People's needs are being met. People are hearing the hope of Jesus, giving their lives over to Him. The Spirit of God is, is working through people. And then adversity comes. And there's opposition. And now they argue. They start to argue with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So notice what happens. People are giving their lives to Jesus, and now the opposition comes. And they want to take out Stephen. They do not like what's going on. They do not like the fact that the Word of God is moving and that people's lives are being transformed. And they come and they, they attack Stephen, and yet they, they argue with him. But, but the Spirit of God speaks through Stephen, and he shuts down their arguments. Let me just say, let me just pause here before we continue. Some of you feel nervous. You're frightened to, to tell people about the hope that you've experienced through your relationship with God. You're frightened to tell people about the hope that you've found in, in the work of Jesus and in what he's done for you. And you're hesitant because you think, well, if they don't accept it, what am I going to say? Or I don't have all the answers. And what we see here, we see repeatedly throughout Scripture. That this isn't Stephen. This is the Spirit of God working through him. And if you will be faithful to tell people about the hope that you have as a result of what Jesus has done in your life, I want you to know God's not going to leave you high and dry. The Spirit of God is at work through you. You don't have to have every answer. But just recognize 
that the Spirit of God, which resides in you as a follower of Jesus, He does have every answer. That's something you don't have to worry about. And they recognize that they, they can't out-argue Him. They can't out-argue Stephen. And so what happens? They secretly instigate other people. Because opposition always tries to include others. The opposition always tries to include others. And it goes up to other people and it's like, hey, how about this? It's, it's, it's not going to start, oh, can you believe that, Stephen? Like, oh, come on. It's, hey, what, what do you think about this? Or, hey, you, you see that? Yeah? Huh. That's interesting. Oh, you know what I heard? Yeah, let me, t- let me tell you what I heard. Yeah. And that's where it starts. Because there's just something about being miserable. You don't want to be there alone. You want to invite other people in your misery. Misery loves company. And that's what we see here. That the opposition isn't content to be alone. But it now it goes out. It starts the whisper campaign. It starts trying to suck other people in. So it's being like, hey, can't believe that. Can't believe that. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council, and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to them. What do they do? They prey on people's emotions. They encourage liars. And the playbook never changes. The playbook never changes. Because it doesn't have to. Because the enemy is always successful with it. There's a pocket that's outside the church that's miserable because they don't ultimately oppose the church. What they ultimately do is oppose God. And they set their sights on the work of God, which is the church. And what is the church? It is not a building. The church is God's people. So they become the target. Because they can't take out God. They would if they could. They've tried, and they're going to try again. But in the meantime, they settle for God's people. And how do they go about this? They go about it by stirring up drama. They go about it by preying on people's emotions. They go about it by encouraging lies. That's the playbook. And I need you to remember that when opposition comes for Lakeside, when opposition comes for us individually, it's not ultimately directed at us. It's ultimately directed at God. And gazing at Him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. 
I can't explain. I can't explain if God just supernaturally shone down on him. I can't explain if God supernaturally changed his appearance. What I can tell you is this, that everybody that's opposing him and accusing him and lying about him and leveraging all the claims and all the whispers and all the gossip and trying to bring him down, not because of who he is, but because of what he's doing in accomplishing the work of God, they look at him and their response is, he looks like an angel. Why does that matter for us? Do, do I think that God's going to supernaturally change most of our appearances? No. Do I think God's going to supernaturally shine down on us and there's going to be like some, some radiance about us from, from the glory? No. So, so why does this matter for us? Could God do that? Sure. The reason this matters for us, whether God chooses to do the miraculous and the supernatural in our circumstances and in our situations or not, is because the universal truth and the universal principle is this, that even when the opposition comes, even when the gossips and the liars come to take you out, even when they come for lakeside? God is still in control. And why God doesn't just stop it? I don't know. I can give you a theological answer. But pragmatically, it would seem like, God, it would just be a little easier for all of us following you if you just could stop it. But that's not what he chooses to do. And Stephen, who was willing to go out and to serve people by making sure they had their food, is now the target. And it doesn't end here. And we're going to look next week at how it does end. But before we get there, what are the implications for us? Well, corporately, they're this. That as God continues to bless Lakeside, there are going to continue to be challenges. And if there are some things that you don't love about Lakeside, I just say, Welcome. Help us. Help. Don't just point it out. I mean, if you, don't, if you think we don't know about it, then absolutely point it out. But if we know about it and you can do something to help fix it, let us know so we can fix it. There is a machine. There is a machine behind ministry, and that's not a bad thing. It enables more ministry to occur. And so I invite you, be praying for Jacob as he joins the team. Be praying for us in our search for a worship pastor. Every day, just make it, make it a point, make it a principle. Pray, pray for Lakeside and what God's doing here. 
And don't you dare for one second think, well, you know, I don't lead worship or, or I don't preach and I, I don't teach, so what I do doesn't matter. Don't you dare for one second think that. God has wired us all with talents and abilities and gifts. And every single one of them matters. And every single one of them can advance the message of Jesus to a city and a region and a world that desperately needs that message. God, I pray that you would work through us first as individuals. God, work in our lives, work in our stories, be honored and glorified with what we do, who we are. And may we follow you, God, wholeheartedly. May we be willing to be misunderstood. May we be willing to stick in even when the opposition comes, even when they gossip about us, when they lie about us, when they accuse us of things. God, may we remember that ultimately it's not us, but you that is the ultimate target. So let us not lose heart. Let us not be discouraged. God, I, I pray for Lakeside. God, I pray that Jacob would have just an incredible, incredible seasons of ministry in this place. God, I pray for who you're going to bring us as, as the worship pastor. And you already know in advance who that person is. And God, we just pray that they would be able to transition well. And we pray, God, that every single person that calls Lakeside home would find their gift and find their passion. They would utilize it for you. And not for one second they would think, well, what I do isn't that important. It doesn't really matter. And God, that you would collectively take these gifts and these abilities, use them for your glory, that we would see our city and our region, and our world transformed with the hope of Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray.